This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. What's it doing to the environment? Like, this is where the orcas come through. Concerns over the chemical cargo burning on a container ship off Vancouver Island as a storm approaches. Plus, The waves were massive. When they broke, they made this crazy broken glass sound. From power outages to travel trouble, when that wild weather will be at its worst as BC Ferries makes sailing cancellations. And I'm down to my last live events. The rest have already cancelled. The cost of doing business without dancing has more owners questioning BC's COVID-19 restrictions. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The Coast Guard says a fire on board a container ship off the coast of Victoria is largely under control today after it broke out on Saturday. But the total number of containers that caught fire after it spread from the initial 10 is not yet known. As Kylie Stanton reports, the most immediate concern is the powerful storm hitting the West Coast right now. Cooling the hull with water, desperate to keep the fire from spreading. More than a day after a blaze broke out on board the MV Zim Kingston, it's finally coming under control. We can't see any scorching or charring of those adjacent containers. That's a really good sign. The fire was first reported at 11 o'clock Saturday morning, just one day after the vessel had lost 40 containers listing in rough seas. The flames quickly spread through the containers on board, two of which were carrying hazardous material. This forced the evacuation of 16 crew members to Ogden Point late Saturday. Five remained on board. At the request of the master to support auxiliary operations on the vessel and maintain an anchor watch. Since then, an emergency zone has been expanded to two nautical miles around the ship to allow crews to stabilize the scene. Dealing with fires and fighting fires on ships has always been the worst case scenario. It's a fine balancing act of how much water do you put onto it and can we pump the water back out of it. Of course, this is all happening in the middle of a major weather event with strong winds wreaking havoc on the operation. Now, the vessel is currently anchored and being monitored on shore and on board. So far, it hasn't moved. But if that changes, there's a plan in place. We have numerous salvage tugs, including a Coast Guard asset that are around and there's precautions taken on board so that that tow can effectively be made uh, very rapidly. Sitting 12 kilometers off the coast of Victoria, for many here, that's still too close for comfort. Whatever's on there that's burning, we want to make sure that that's not coming our way. Concerned that if it is hazardous waste, are we actually breathing in something we shouldn't be at this particular time? But the Coast Guard confirms there's currently no risk to islanders. The environmental unit uh, will continue to closely monitor any ecological impacts of the incident. 
uh, and recommend appropriate strategies for preventing harm to the environment as the incident unfolds. The owner of the vessel is cooperating, hiring Resolve Marine Group to carry out salvage operations, including firefighting and the recovery of containers. Look at uh, if there is any continuing fire, look at uh, uh, what's still smoldering, um, contain that report back, and then we'll move from there. That isn't expected to happen until at least Monday. That is, if the vessel can ride out this storm without incident. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. So what is the hazardous material that sparked the emergency? Grace Key has more on that and the challenges facing crews tasked with putting out the flames. Latest observations from the air and ground show not as much fire and smoke coming from the MV Zim Kingston as firefighter efforts continue. The majority of the fire is actually out. Uh, we still see it smoldering. What they were attempting to do is let the fire burn down. In other words, the, the container consume itself with the, with the fuel while keeping everything else around it cool so that they wouldn't ignite. The Canadian Coast Guard tweeted out overnight the tug C-SPAN Raven cooled the hull by spraying it with cold water. And due to the nature of the chemicals on board the container ship, applying water directly to the fire is not an option. The fire may be the main threat, but water is is a big piece to manage in a, in fighting a fire on board a ship. And of course, you don't you don't want to put too much water in the hull of the vessel such that it becomes unstable. So you have to manage that very carefully. Two of the shipping containers on fire held potassium amyl xanthate, a hazardous material used for mining. Several other containers were consumed in the blaze, but until crews can get a closer look, it's unclear how many are damaged. It's still smoldering and we're still putting, uh, we're still fogging those. That will reveal itself, um, I suspect, later today and certainly tomorrow uh, as crews are able to get closer to it. As you can appreciate, these are very tall, stacks and when you're standing at the bottom it's very difficult to see uh, up a stack and, and precisely which one is there or which one wasn't. By late Sunday afternoon the Canadian Coast Guard tweeted that the fire has been stabilized. The ship will be monitored overnight to ensure the five crew members still on board remain safe. Grace Key, Global News. Now, the province of B.C. says smoke from the Zim Kingston is not posing a risk to island residents. Environment officials closely monitoring the smoke pouring from the vessel. All fires produce toxic emissions and incident commanders say they have detailed information on the smoldering chemicals. So officials are setting up temporary air quality monitoring stations around Victoria. And we are watching the weather tonight as a second bomb cyclone approaches the B.C. coast. Storm watchers are gathering on the rocks in Tofino as monster waves smash the shoreline. Extreme winds are expected over the next 36 hours and they will be strongest near the water. This weather bomb hit the lowest pressure ever recorded off Vancouver Island. The lower the pressure, the stronger the storm. Beginning tomorrow morning, Metro Vancouver will experience the strongest winds. BC Ferries announcing several cancellations for tomorrow morning as the storm sets in. Four sailings between Horseshoe Bay and Departure Bay cancelled already for Monday morning. Service between Duke Point and Sawasan and Swartz Bay and Sawasan also being affected. Morning departures between Comox and Powell River are also impacted. So if you have a ferry trip planned, it's best to check ahead. Affected customers are being rebooked or having their money refunded. 
And BC Hydro says its crews are prepared for a busy 24 hours. They could be dealing with a lot of downed wires given many tree branches were weakened by last summer's extreme heat. We do have more than 55 offices uh, well positioned throughout the province and that enables our crews to respond as quickly and safely as possible. For this particular storm, we ask our contractor crews and vegetation management crews to be on standby. And for more on the storm's impact here on the south coast, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell with details. So Yvonne, when should we expect the peak of the storms? It'll be for tomorrow morning for Metro Vancouver, so be prepared heading out to work or school. We've already seen some of the peak wind gusts between 50 uh, along the western edge of the island, over 70 kilometers per hour, but this is going to intensify overnight and leading in towards the morning hours. Red is where we've got the wind warning that is in effect along the western edge of the island, gusts of over 100 kilometers per hour. Metro Vancouver closer to the water we can see those gusts between 80 and up to 90 kilometers per hour the big concern it's prolonged periods of prolonged winds rather sustained at 40 then those gusts reaching between 80 and 90 as we get in through the day tomorrow peak of the winds will be for the morning hours so a heads up as we get in through the day the winds will ease but it'll likely be towards the evening hours that we could still see winds between 40 and potentially up to 60 kilometers per hour there is a much needed break that'll be on the way but this storm is packing a punch with rainfall amounts I'll have that coming up very shortly. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much for tracking that for us, Yvonne. And rescue crews are hoping that people heed the advice to stay away from raging rivers and creeks during the storm. North Vancouver firefighters and rescue volunteers were called out this afternoon after a man took a 15-meter tumble and landed just above McKay Creek. As you can see, crews had to scale steep terrain to reach the man who was hypothermic when they got to him. A helicopter was used to long-line the victim to safety. Fire and ambulance uh, EHS were um, on scene, but because of the rugged nature of the trail and the injuries, they requested a helicopter extraction from North Shore Rescue. It was a long line, literally, wasn't it? That's right. We had to come back and add another 50 feet um, to bring the subject out. Uh, he was quite a ways into a canyon that he had fallen. On to COVID-19 and British Columbians now needing to prove they are fully vaccinated in order to access some non-essential services. When vaccine passports were introduced in BC on September 13th, one dose was all that was required to gain entry. But now that grace period has ended. It's a reminder to those who were procrastinating about getting that second shot that they'll be locked out of certain venues until it's done. And capacity limits for certain indoor gatherings will ease in parts of B.C. at midnight, but that doesn't apply to the live event industry, which is still struggling to survive under restrictions that won't be lifted anytime soon. Kamil Kermali reports. The calls have been coming in for live events organizer Julie Connolly, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, I'm a little concerned too. Cancellation after cancellation. And you'd think after the B.C. government announced the end of capacity limit restrictions for events, people would be lining up to book parties. But that's not happening because of one missing element. We still have no dancing restrictions. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry announced last week dancing would still not be allowed for indoor events. And now an empty dance floor has started to also mean an empty live events calendar. Nothing being booked up until people are allowed to boogie down. I'm down to my last live events. The rest have already cancelled. So how much is on the line for you? 
I stand to lose more hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business. Connolly says the indoor mask mandate also has many of her regular party-going patrons passing on any holiday celebrations this year. And that's had a domino effect in the industry, catering companies and musicians, to name a few. I currently have one that's a maybe, which is a hold, which will eventually cancel due to the fact that their employees aren't able to dance on the dance floor. To banquet hall owners who desperately rely on Christmas party bookings this time of year. In Christmas parties, you know, we typically do about, you know, 30 to 35 corporate events a year. Um, This year we're down to like six. And out of those six, um, we just got a call last week that because of the no dancing, that they're just going to postpone it till next year. In response, Dr. Bonnie Henry tells Global News, we are watching that carefully and I hope to be able to take off more restrictions as we get through the next few months. But time is running out. Live event organizers pleading with the province to make a decision on dancing restrictions this week so they can plan for the usually busy Christmas party season. So what's your message to the Ministry of Health? I would definitely say, let us dance. A season that may not be so festive if it's not footloose and fancy-free. Kamal Karmali, Global News. While several B.C. municipalities are rolling out vaccine mandates for staff, the city of Prince George says it hasn't had that conversation quite yet. The northern B.C. city has hundreds of civic employees in a region where circuit breaker restrictions were implemented earlier this month to help contain the surging transmission of COVID-19. Northern Health has seen lagging vaccination rates and the province's highest per capita daily new case counts. The mayor of Prince George says if the city moved forward with a mandate, some work would be needed. When you talk about mandatory vaccinations for any segment of the population, uh, I think there's a tremendous amount of consultation would have to take place. And in our case, it would have to be a lot of consultation uh, with, uh, with the union. Uh, And we have our exempt staff that we would also want to have, obviously, that conversation with. The Capital Regional District, along with the cities of Vancouver and Kamloops, have all implemented vaccine mandates for their employees. Another key deadline comes into effect on Tuesday when it comes to mandatory vaccinations, one that impacts health care workers. Let's bring in Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry now with more on that. So, Keith, how much could this deadline impact surgical wait times? Oh, it's going to impact a lot of things that need to. We're talking probably rescheduled surgeries, but all sorts of medical services are going to be affected by this. Uh, and it goes right across the board in terms of medical staff and non-medical staff. We're talking 130,000 people need to be immunized in that sector. The good news is 96% of them are. But even 4% turns out to be a big number when we apply it to such a large group of people. Take a look at these numbers. We're talking about in excess of 5,000 people, healthcare workers will be put on leave, unpaid leave, on Tuesday because they're not immunized. That number is going to go down, but not much. That comes on the heels of already 382 long-term care nurses have already been placed on unpaid leave along with about 1,500 other workers in long-term care. Now, the next shoe to drop will be 30,000 or so government employees will be required to be immunized by November 22nd. That includes, that doesn't include BC Hydro and ICBC employees. Expect other crowns to also bring in vaccine mandates. And Nido, you mentioned Vancouver and Kamloops, so we're talking 6,000 people. Vancouver civic workers have until December 6th to be fully 
successfully immunized. These vaccine vaccination mandates are growing in number. They're growing in scope, and they're going to have a significant impact on many people. It's one thing not to get immunized and pay the price of not being able to go into a restaurant. Quite another thing if you give up your job. And we're talking tens of thousands of people potentially uh, being required to be put on unpaid leave because they have not been immunized. The worst place to be hit, I think, on uh, on Tuesday and throughout the week is the interior. That's where the, the highest unvaccination rate is. We're talking 1,600 healthcare workers there being put on unpaid leave. That's going to have a huge impact. Well, crisis worsens again. All right, thanks for that. That's Legislative Bureau Chief Keith Baldry in Victoria tonight. The Surrey School District Board says it has reviewed the B.C. government's guidelines for staff vaccine mandates and continues to consult before making a decision. Under Ministry of Education K-12 sector guidelines released on Friday, a mandate would require teachers, administrators, cleaning staff and educational assistants to be immunized. The Surrey School Board says it encourages everybody eligible to get vaccinated but also needs to consider Surrey White Rock's high vaccination rates and whether a mandate would be beneficial official for the district. And after the break, the arrest made in a double homicide on Vancouver Island. Plus, the tentative deal bringing job action to an end a day after it began. And places like New Zealand and Australia have 10 days of paid sick leave. The change is coming as consultation on BC's paid sick day program comes to an end. North Vancouver RCMP are investigating what caused a fatal crash on the Ironworkers Memorial Bridge overnight. Several lanes of the span were closed for hours as forensic investigators combed the scene. Evidence markers and a motorcycle could also be seen. So far, police will only confirm that one person was killed. One man is in custody, charged with two counts of murder after a double homicide near Duncan. RCMP say two people were found dead in a home in the 8600 block of Crofton Road in Crofton early Saturday. One man was arrested at the scene. 33-year-old Justin James Dodd remains in custody pending a court appearance next month on two murder charges. Police believe this was an isolated incident and there is no risk to the public. Some good news in the labor dispute at Life Labs. A tentative agreement has been reached with unionized employees. Members of the BC General Employees Union started job action yesterday with a rally in Burnaby. Employees say they're paid less than public sector workers and have a lousy pension. This afternoon, Life Labs announced it has reached a three-year agreement with the BCGEU. The terms of the agreement were not released, though. The BCGEU says members will meet tomorrow to vote on the new contract. Monday is the last day of provincial government consultation on a paid sick day program. The issue top of mind for many given the pandemic. Unions among the most vocal advocates for the idea, with independent business operators fearing they'll have to bear the brunt of another cost that they can't afford. Paul Johnson reports. Did the COVID pandemic trigger a rethink of our attitude about sick days? What we know for sure is that people went to work sick during the pandemic. BC Federation of Labour President Laird Cronk says our COVID experience makes it clear that British Columbian workers need the kind of protection that's long been in place among our economic peers. Places like New Zealand and Australia have 10 days of paid sick leave. Cronk says notorious workplace outbreaks like those that happened in some meatpacking plants were driven by bad choices made by workers under pressure to make ends meet. Because they didn't have the means to stay home. They were so worried about paying the bills, paying the rent, 
uh, and they didn't have paid sick leave, that they made the untenable decision to go to work. But BC is not New Zealand, and it's certainly not Germany. Business groups say small companies here won't be able to afford it and will hire fewer people as a result. We just surveyed our members on, on permanent paid sick days, um, and, and our members have, have some, the results really just show that our members have a, a lot of concern uh, with, with this permanent paid sick leave program. But the changes are coming. With the law already passed, the big question is whether British Columbians get either three or up to 10 days paid annual sick leave starting in January. Marking what may very well be an attitudinal sea change about working while sick, which for most of us has amounted to suck it up and go to work. Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up, testing turbulence at YVR. Obviously shocked that it came out as a false positive. This man's travel warning after his rapid antigen result halted a Vegas vacation. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A BC man has a warning for anyone flying to the U.S. after an unexpected test result at YVR halted a planned vacation. As Kristen Robinson reports, he and his three friends, all double vaccinated, ended up staying home in self-isolation. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, unless the secret gets out before you get there. Everybody that's in, the, in that area of the airport kind of slowly moves away from me. So it's like, oh no, here comes the guy with the virus. Trevor Meyer's recent rapid antigen test at YVR came back positive for COVID. She's like, were you planning on traveling today? And I'm like, well, I was, but it looks like I'm not going to be traveling today. And she's like, yeah, you tested positive. Meyer was told to self-isolate and call 811. His test result also reported to Fraser Health for contact tracing. I was, you know, obviously shocked that it came out as a false positive. How, how reliable are these tests? Hours later, Meyer and his partner both tested negative for the virus. Days later, he tested negative again. But it was too late. The mid-September trip to Sin City was off. His three friends who tested negative decided not to travel as a precaution. We were trying to do the right thing by going home and not taking the risk of going on a plane with potentially having symptoms. CVM Medical says it conducted 26,000 rapid tests at YVR in September with 30 positive results. Meyer's test was rerun on two separate machines and came back positive twice. A PCR test was then offered but declined. Meyer maintains he wasn't offered another test of any kind. Neither he nor his buddies developed COVID. All my friends, we had to quarantine at my house, and I have a one-bedroom condo. There was four of us, because we were terrified to go home to our families and kids. But it just causes this whole ripple effect. Fraser Health says it has no involvement with private COVID testing, but will follow up with people who receive a positive PCR test result. Fortunately, Meyer and his friends were using frequent flyer miles and got credit for their unused flights. 
Otherwise, experts recommend reading the fine print if you don't have travel insurance. They need to make sure that they have made bookings that are flexible and have terms and conditions for this type of situation because one never knows. Meyer's advice, if you need a rapid test to fly, get it a day or two in advance. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Coming up next, a popular False Creek rowing event is cancelled. It's frustrating for the people who didn't have any other opportunities this, uh, this season to go for a row. We'll tell you what's getting in the way of the annual event, and it's not the pandemic this time. An annual rowing regatta set for False Creek next Sunday has been cancelled due to the large number of boats anchored in the channel. Members of the False Creek Rowing Club had planned to hold the 10th annual Head Up the Creek Rowing Regatta on Halloween Day. But the club says anchored vessels in the navigational channel of False Creek are blocking the transit lanes, making it unsafe for them to row through. They say a lack of active enforcement to remove the boats makes it unpredictable and challenging when it comes to staging the regatta. Jurisdiction of the waters is shared between the federal and provincial governments, the City of Vancouver and the Vancouver Park Board. You know, our regatta last year, we had it in March, and uh, we were the first event to get cancelled for COVID. So, not very proud of that, but happy we did it. And uh, now we're having to cancel a second time, and this time it's for matters that are in our control. Well, not our control, but the city's control. And it's frustrating for the people who didn't have any other opportunities this, uh, this season to go for a row. A partial statement from the city of Vancouver says under a federal anchoring regulations, which the city works to administer, boaters are required to obtain a permit to stay in False Creek. In summer, the permit is for 14 days. Winter permits are for 21 days. Many visiting boaters abide by these anchoring regulations and obtain permits to anchor in False Creek without issue. However, unfortunately, not all do. Towing is only used as a last resort when boaters refuse to move their craft to a marina or a boating area outside of False Creek. The city is currently exploring new regulatory tools to help manage this complex, multi-jurisdictional issue. Now to a close call for a Vancouver Island couple this afternoon as the storm winds moved in. Head on in there and look at the couch. Mike Vermet was watching TV on the couch when he heard thunder outside. This large branch crashed through the roof of his home on McLeod Street in Comox. Fortunately, it missed him by mere inches, even though, as you can see, it is now planted in the couch. Vermette says his heart was beating, but he believes his cat was more scared than him. Wow, dangerous scenes there as we bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for another look at the full forecast. Yvonne, what should we watch out for? Well, we are going to see power outages down trees, a big storm, storm surge. I'll list out the concerns in just a moment, but it's really the timeline as uh, things really do start to intensify overnight leading in towards the morning hours, so be prepared. Here's what we're looking at right now. We have seen some lightning, especially along the western edge of the island. We'll continue to see that instability. We've got waves of rain that'll move across Metro Vancouver and much of the south coast as we look ahead towards our Monday forecast. Now, once again, the following areas along the island, gusts of up to 100 kilometers per hour. It's Metro Vancouver that we could see them between 80 and up to 90, and it's the prolonged winds with the sustained winds and then gusts of up to 90. That will be the big concern with the peak of the wind gusts for our Monday morning. The storm concerns are power outages, down trees, localized flooding, storm surge, ferry delays and cancellations. Plan ahead and check in with BC Ferries for the early morning hours. Here's a glance at the rain 
rainfall amount, so it's packing a punch with 20 and up to 40 millimeters, especially for areas along the North Shore Mountains as we get in through the day. And we'll continue to see windy conditions with anywhere between 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour for the afternoon and leading in towards the evening. It's the peak wind gusts that we'll see for Monday morning. Now, the northern half of the province, different weather story for tomorrow. We are seeing some breaks along the coast with highs up to 12 degrees. A few wet flurries for the areas near the Peace in the northeastern corners. Much of the central half tomorrow, we'll see a few isolated showers. It's unsettled cloud cover. The winds for the southern interior between 20 with gusts of up to 40. And it's along the south coast. The weather bomb will be packing that punch overnight and for the morning hours with some of the strongest winds continuing through the day. However, 20 and up to 40 millimeters. Still wet and windy for a Tuesday. Bit of a break in between systems. Much needed will be on our Wednesday. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. A West Kelowna company is taking the term off-road to its limit. It is showing off their latest concept vehicle with tricked-out features that will let drivers travel to places that even ATVs can't handle. Kimberly Davidson reports. An Okanagan-based company is determined to prove that the end of the road can be just the beginning. KXI WilderTech is demonstrating its concept suspension system designed to get drivers almost anywhere. The ability about this suspension system is that we have the ability to change the suspension height, like on that front side there, to try and push those tires back into the ground, which will then apply traction, which will help us move forward. Not only does each tire have its own individual suspension system, but both the front and the back tires can turn, allowing the vehicle to take a tight corner. The beauty about these large tires and the adjustable air suspensions, it allows us to really minimize our impact on the environment. While it's cool to watch a pickup maneuver terrain like this, climbing hills without getting hung up, driving over rocks, and taking downhill slopes without flipping over, KXI Wildertech designed this suspension for a very serious reason. That all employees who go out to, whether it be a transmission line, a pipeline, a cell tower, or anything of the, of the kind, they return to their home to their families that night, regardless of the weather conditions and regardless of the terrain conditions. Stewart sees it being used by employees in the forestry and mining sectors, firefighters battling forest fires, and more. Uh, one of our uh, training partners is, uh, is Vernon Search and Rescue, who have been uh, testing this in moulage and simulation settings uh, with some great feedback as far as the en en enhanced response time. The suspension system still has a way to go before being put on the market, but the company's president says they should be ready to start taking deposits in late 2022 and begin deliveries in 2023. Kimberly Davidson, Global News. Future of off-roading, perhaps. Well, let's focus on the future of our show. Barry's here for a look ahead at sports. Barry? I'm going to say, that's Yvonne's style. I don't know how I'm going to get in. That's all I was thinking about. She is the, Jump in. the wildest of, of anybody here. <laughs> uh, well, we'll take a look back at a very successful Canuck road trip that uh, completed last night with the win over the Kraken to spoil their first ever home opener. The Whitecaps also did well, so we'll look back. And, of course, NFL Sunday. So we'll have highlights coming up. All right. Thanks so much, Barry. Also ahead, in short supply. We really should be given this, especially this year. The calls for more access to high-dose flu vaccines after a B.C. senior was denied a dose. 
George woman says she's advocating for all seniors after being denied a high-dose flu vaccine despite being eligible by age and health condition. Many are having to pay for the now publicly funded doses out of pocket if they can find it. Ollie Herrera of CKPG News reports. To me, it would make more sense to vaccinate the people with the best available for the seniors. These seniors have worked hard. We have all worked hard all of our lives. And we really should be given this, especially this year. That's 75-year-old Janice Newman, a woman living with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a type of cancer. In the past, because of her age and condition, she says she was always eligible to get one free of charge. But this year, it was different. Until now. Heart Drug Mart, bless their souls. They are so wonderful. They were able to secure me. I got the last dose that was available. Which is good news for her. But it's a different story for other people in a similar situation. I have, a, you know, a, a variety of friends and uh, we all have different circumstances. The ministry has provided clarification as to who can receive the free high-dose flu shot. They say adults who are 65 and older and are living in long-term care, assisted living, or First Nations communities can get the free dose. But these are publicly funded ones, meaning privately owned long-term care and assisted living facilities don't qualify and have to pay for doses out of pocket. Why should there be a difference? To me, a senior is a senior is a senior. I, I just don't get it. And, uh, and good heavens, they're expecting a terrible flu season this year. Is this not cutting pennies? I mean, this is silliness. Our wholesaler currently doesn't have an inventory, and they actually don't have a date when we can order more. There is some good news. Pharmacy manager Patrick Donnell says that this year's flu shot is a stronger dose than in years past. The ones we have funded by the government right now are what we call quadrivalent. So they're stronger than the flu shots that we typically would have in the past. So definitely get any kind of flu shot and it'll give you some protection, which is better than nothing. Donnell says that if there is availability for the high dose shots soon, they'll order it. Newman says she's planning on fighting for all seniors and is going to bring up the need for publicly available high doses to her MLAs. We're in the process, and uh, yes, and uh, yes, I've reached out to everybody I possibly can. Ollie Herrera, CKPG News. And still ahead, meet the housewives of hip hop. You know, no matter what age or what experience you have, if you want to do something, just go for it. And what the kids of these BC moms think of their social media stardom. Get paddling on Osoyoos Lake this Halloween. On October 31st, dust off your witchiest attire and bring your paddleboard or kayak down to Gyro Beach in Osoyoos for a group paddle on the lake with prizes for best costume. Don't miss Cornucopia, Whistler's fall celebration of food and drink happening in November. Let your taste buds indulge at signature events, winery dinners, culinary demos, and more. WhistlerCornucopia.com for details. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. All right, Barry's back with a full look at sports and the Canucks back in action. Yeah, uh, on Tuesday they are back home. The fans will finally get to see them uh, up close and personal. Uh, for what? It's been a couple of years for sure for a game that counts. Anyway, thanks so much, Nithu. Other than that uh, stinker they played in Buffalo, the Canucks have to be fairly pleased with their six-game season opening road trip. Seven points out of 12, pretty good, considering Pedersen and Besser haven't quite found their legs yet. It's been feisty and talented Connor Garland who's led the way. He had the game winner last night in Seattle as the Canucks spoiled the Kraken's first-ever home game with a 4-2 win. 
So the Kraken had quite the ceremony. They're the 32nd franchise in the NHL. They decided to retire that number. Canucks, well, they had at least one fan who was willing to celebrate the Canucks visiting. Ann Wilson of Heart fame sang the national anthem. All the Wilsons were there, including Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. Third period, Canucks were down a goal, but Bo Horvat knocks in the rebound for his second of the game to tie it at 2-2. Bo likes Seattle. Canucks were on the ropes in their own zone, but then this from Connor Garland as the puck skips out, and check out the fake to open up the five-hole and then slaps it in. He's easily been the best Canuck this year. Three goals and five assists for eight points this year. Canucks crack the crack in 4-2 and go 3-2-1 on their road trip. Obviously, everybody was excited about tonight. It was exciting playing in the first game here. And, um, you know, the fans obviously you know, were, were loud tonight, which made it that much more easy to, to get up for this game, and it was fun. I think just get more and more comfortable with, uh, you know, the system. There's still things that, I you know, I don't feel exactly right, but, you know, I've had my legs for a majority of the games, and there's a lot of good players around me, so it's been easy so far. Tell, tell me about that decision. And the Abbotsford Canucks won their second straight on home ice. This one just finished. Nick Patan got the game winner, added an empty netter, and Arthur Seelov's 26 saves for the shutout. So Abbotsford off to a nice start, 3-1-1 in the young AHL season. The Whitecaps are exhausted but in a good spot, heading into the final three matches of the season after last night's draw in San Jose. The Caps remain in seventh place in the West, the final playoff spot, but they're just two points out of fourth place. Their destiny is in their own hands. And probably winning two of those last three should be enough to get in. But it will likely come down to the final day of the regular season, which is just two weeks from today. Danny Sartini noticed his team didn't have it physically last night. Understandable. Playing for the third game in seven days. But after a scoreless first half, Brian White has stopped. And it's Bruno Gashbar who scores on the rebound. His first ever goal as a white cap. Couldn't have come at a better time. But San Jose tied it and then almost won it in stoppage time. But Max Crepe with a game saver, jumps on it before MLS all-time leading scorer Chris Wondolowski can put it in. It ends one all. Caps remain in the playoffs, seventh place with just three matches to go. I think it's a it's a very good point. It's a point on the road in on the third game, seven points in in three games in this I would say kind of uh, hell week that we were supposed to have against the top two teams and in San Jose. So yeah, I'm very happy. All right, Premier League action from Old Trafford. Man United taking on Liverpool, and uh, it was all reds. It was over early already, 2-0. Mo Salah will make it 3-0 in the 38th minute. And then in the 45th, Salah, for some reason, left unmarked at the edge of the, edge of the box. Just calmly fires in the left footer. 4-0 at the half. An embarrassing home display from United, and it got worse. Salah will complete the hat-trick in the second half with a brilliant run and finish. 5-0 the final, Liverpool up to second, just behind Chelsea. United, with three losses in their last four, have sunk to seventh. NFL now, Seahawks don't play until Monday against New Orleans, but watching NFC West leaders Arizona host Houston, Kyler Murray, their fine young quarterback will find Christian Kirk for the five-yard touchdown. 14-5 Cardinals at the half. And in the third, Murray delivering a perfect strike to Zach Ertz over the middle. Ertz will take it all the way for the touchdown. Ertz just acquired by the Cards from the Eagles a week ago, a longtime Eagle. 
Cardinals cruise past the Texans and are a perfect uh, record 7-0. Rams trying to keep pace, taking on 0-6 Detroit. Of course, these two teams traded quarterbacks in the offseason. Matthew Stafford going from the Lions to the Rams. Jared Goff going from L.A. to Detroit. L.A. fell behind by 10, but they come back. Stafford throwing the TD pass against his uh, former team. A quick hitter to Cooper Cup made it 17-13 Rams. Now, early in the fourth, the Lions were up two, but it's Stafford to Cup for a Another one, nine touchdowns this year for Cup. Rams go to 6-1 and one after beating the Lions 28-19. Detroit is 0-7. Tom Brady, he is number one at almost everything. Today against the Bears, another milestone for Brady. Hits Mike Evans for the touchdown. Brady's 600th career regular season TD pass, the most ever. But someone forgot to tell Evans, who gave the ball away, he didn't know, and on the sidelines, when he finds out, he goes, oh, my God, what'd they do? So the Bucks make a deal with the fan to get the ball back. Hey, maybe they get a date with Giselle, Tom's Super Bowl model wife, or supermodel wife, but most likely a signed jersey. Later, Brady with 6.01 to Evans. He can give that ball away. That one's not necessarily a milestone one, and he does. And then before the half, Brady with his third touchdown pass to Evans, fourth of the game, number 6.02. He's 44 years old and not slowing down. Has he ever looked better? Bucks crushed the Bears 38-3. They are 6-1. and one. Formula One U.S. Grand Prix from Austin, Texas. The Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders making an appearance. And it was a battle of the top two drivers in F1 again. Max Verstappen starting on the pole. Lewis Hamilton in the front row with him. And this was the best racing of the day right off the start. And Hamilton... From the number two spot with the pass, takes the lead. But after a pit on lap 14 by Hamilton, Verstappen stayed in the lead for good. Hamilton got close, but on the final lap, can't overtake Verstappen. And Red Bull gets another win. Hamilton finishes second. Verstappen now 12 points up in the driver's standings. Montreal's Lance Stroll was 12th today. Well, Coquitlam Express forward Ryan Tattle is off to a good start this young season. He's in the top five in league scoring, and that's not only going to help his team, but helping others who are battling cancer. Jay Janner has more on a young man who is truly leading by example. The spotlight is shining brightly on Coquitlam Express forward Ryan Tattle this season. Not just because it's his final year of junior hockey, nor the fact he's also one of the leaders for the Express. Every shift, every stride, and every shot Ryan takes comes with a little extra motivation for reasons very near and dear to Ryan. You know, obviously you always want to score, you always want to win, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, when, when you can raise money for a good cause, I think it's just a little bit more incentive, um, especially, you know, with, with my mom in the crowd. Um, and she's cheering me on, she loves to see me score and, and the team win. So uh, those, those kind of combinations there, they really motivate me to, to do more. And I think the boys get a little bit of motivation from it too, so it's good. Ryan's added motivation is Score for Cancer. He's partnered up with the Canadian Cancer Society on a season-long fundraising effort to support those battling cancer. Ryan's mom and a former teammate are both dealing with cancer, so for every goal and every point he collects, money is raised for the Canadian Cancer Society. Absolutely incredible. Um, one of the best ideas in my seven years I've ever been a part of in the BCHL. Every player asked Ryan questions about his own battles and struggles through living with, with a mom who's going through battling breast cancer. Every single person in that dress room has, has gone through cancer in some way, whether it be an aunt, an uncle, a mom, a dad, a grandparent. And so, you know, when Ryan gets a point or, or scores a goal, it's emotional. When, you know, you see them go through it, it's a little bit difficult. And, you know, for me, I just always, you know, was, was taught from a young age that, you know, you got to try to help uh, people. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter how big or how small the gesture is. 
A couple weeks into the season, and Ryan's Score for Cancer initiative has already exceeded his season-long goal of raising $5,000. What's just as impressive is the impact Ryan's having both on and off the ice. It creates an excitement in our room, especially for Ryan. We want to see him succeed. Uh, Ryan's success on the ice obviously helps the team as well. It's incredible to see what a young person like him can do, supporting a friend, supporting family members, and supporting everybody else that goes through this terrible, terrible disease. Trying to spin off a check in behind the Eagle goal. The cross move, he scores! Tattle's no stranger to scoring highlight real goals, but this season, every puck he puts into the back of the net is a big goal. Proud is an understatement uh, of what Ryan's done and, and, and everything he's done for this score for cancer initiative. It's pretty overwhelming. It's, it's, I'm blown away with the support, like I said. But yeah, I think when it comes to you know it being one of the most important seasons, uh, I definitely think so. You know, I want to put up as many points as I can. I want to get the word out there as far as I can. You know, raise as much money possible. So uh, hopefully we can do that. But he gets up and shoots and scores. Ryan Tattle over the shoulder. Awesome to see the young kids giving back so soon. Jordan, or uh, Jordan. I'm working with Jordan tonight. He'll be here at 11. That's right. We've been talking about Jordan. He's on my <laughs> That's right. Thanks so much, Barry. And we'll be right back with the story of a group of dancing moms dubbing themselves the housewives of hip-hop. Stay with us. This is BC with Jay Durant, brought to you in part by Fortis BC, BC's energy solutions provider. <laughs> Well, not too many admit to dancing when, when no one is watching, but a group of lower mainland mothers has taken this to heart, much to their kids' embarrassment. Here's Jay Durant with tonight's This is BC. The housewives of hip-hop are looking to expand. That's house as in the type of music, but they'll dance to anything, and that's really the whole point. So for anyone who doesn't care what people think, there could be a spot on the team. There's also a few requirements. You have to have a really good sense of humor. We spend a lot of time laughing at ourselves. This past year, they took their show to TikTok, hoping to provide a little comedic relief during the long days of the pandemic. Now ride the witch's broom. Ride the witch's broom. This all started six years ago when the moms decided to challenge themselves and take a class at their daughter's dance school. I had no skills whatsoever. I still probably don't, but um, I had zero confidence. They are really hardworking, and yeah, they like to laugh at themselves first, right? But, you know, I don't think they really know how good they are. They ended up winning silver in adult street dance at a Whistler competition a few years ago. So yeah, they are pretty good. And they're doing some good, donating 85 bags of essential items to the downtown Eastside Women's Centre last year. It was overwhelming, actually, last year, how much stuff we got. It was, it was overwhelmingly wonderful. Wow, you can really... This hip-hop team is here to remind people that it's never too late to step out of your comfort zone and try something new, despite what some might say. He went. I find that, like, they're able to make them kind of funny at the same time and, like, put their own spin to it. So even though they are cringy, they're like mainly cringy in a good way almost. What a coincidence. Clearly it's not that bad if the kids are willing to join them. No hands and no darling, I the eye rolling, if you look at them in the TikTok, they're kind of like, okay mom, we're doing this for you, but we're slightly embarrassed, but we're here. <laughs> I think it teaches her that you know, no matter what age, what experience you have, if you want to do something, just go for it. Look them up if you're down for an audition. All you have to do is dance like nobody's watching. Jay Durant, Global News. 
so much fun. Well, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. And before we let you go, Yvonne, one more check on that Stormwatch. Yeah, Stormwatch, uh, the strongest winds for our Monday morning, and we've got rainfall, so still very blustery. Be prepared for the early morning hours. All right, stay safe out there, everybody. Thanks so much for joining us. Jordan will be here at 11. Have a great night.